Hello, and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition Remix. I am your host, Hugh Crawford, one-third of the Kickers of Elves. You can find me at HughBot underscore Crawford on Instagram. Today, we are going to be listening to uh, the Rules of Acquisition episode where we talk about shadow play. This episode was originally released October 16th, 2016. Stick around after the episode for some information, some little little bit of tidbits uh, about what we may have uh, missed on this episode. Hope you enjoy. Have you like ever really thought about existence, man? Oh yeah. Like what if this is all some kind of projection, man? Oh yeah. Like some geezer made a city to fill a bad A plot. Oh yeah. It's time for the rules of acquisition. Okay, uh, hello and welcome to the rules of acquisition, a podcast about deep Star Trek. It's a podcast about Star Trek, <laughs> specifically Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the best Star Trek. Yeah, that's all. Goddamn right. <laughs> with me as always. <laughs> that's right. Uh, with me as always is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And also Hugh Crawford. Hey, gentlemen. And uh, yes, my name is Wade Bowen, and we'll just jump right into it. We're talking about what is, we're in the middle of uh, season two, I guess. This is in season one. This is be about the time where they gave us something like move along home. But <laughs> what are we dealing with? That's not quite what we're dealing with today. We're dealing with a, uh, a, yeah. a show called <laughs> Shadow Play. Uh, yes. Shadow Play is episode 16 of season two. It originally aired on February 20th, 1994. The IMDb description is as follows. Odo and Dax investigate the mysterious disappearance of people from a village. Hira tries to keep a close eye on Quark while Vedic Baral unexpectedly visits. Now, I'm going to tell you guys right off the bat, well, and it doesn't mention the C story, which is Jake gets a job that he doesn't want. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, no A plot, B plot. We got A, B, C in this one. We got A, B, C. We got to pad it out. And I, I want to go right off the gate. I liked this episode more than you guys probably did. Oh, really? Right. I liked... I, I did. I liked... Parts of this episode? Uh, yeah, there's there's two scenes I liked. I liked two scenes. And I and I one of I like, them I like two plots, none of the which were the A plot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you want me to springboard off of what I liked about it? And then we can go from there? Yes. Start talking about what you like. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, first off, this makes use for the first time probably all season of almost everybody in the cast. With the exception of Dr. Bashir. Bashir, yeah. But it really didn't bother me because I don't care for Dr. Bashir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had one little scene that I actually liked. It did something for like our gripes about him not having a character. It at least helped out on that. But I'll let you... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, that's okay. I liked the fact that all the players on board were pretty much paired up with another player. We have Odo and Dax, who I don't think have... An, there's I don't think there's an Odo and Dax episode for the rest of the series no clearly they were they they got this far and like we're well into season two who have we not put together before yeah. oh shit okay well let's put odo and dax together and and then the first scene starts off with them the pre-credit scene i guess mm-hmm. starts off with them in a shuttle in it and not in a shuttlecraft because that's not what 
runabouts are, I guess. Sorry. Come on, come on, yeah. come on guys, get your ships right. It's a runabout, which is a souped-up shuttlecraft with a warp drive on it, basically. Mm-hmm. But whatever. Nerd check. It's a pretty, pretty, pretty big difference, Wade. <laughs> okay, that, they can go up to warp four, you know. Uh, but. But you know what? I think that was a good scene because I do too. You, you. Oh, I do too. That, yeah, it's them gossiping in the the pre credit scene. Well, no, it brings up a a really good question about Odo right off the bat from the only character that can tactfully bring it up. Has, has Odo ever had sex? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and well, she has. He ever been in a relationship with a woman? And he's like, or friends with a woman? He's like, I'm friends with Kira, and she's like, mm, that's not what I'm talking about. Right. <laughs> and he never says he never has because they. I, but it's basically he hasn't. But at the same time, and I'm gonna be crass. Here. Yeah. They set him up in the orig- in the initial when they introduce him. He has that whole thing talking about how he hates Klingon opera because some woman's gonna make you listen to Klingon opera. Well, that maybe maybe that was him speaking from experience. So I thought that might have been. See, I thought uh, that I I read that more as like four chan trolling. Like I hate girls like that and make you do other stuff, you know. While also really saying like I would totally love a woman to make me have to listen to like Klingon, you know. Because he's lonely. <laughs> so, oh, you're saying that he wishes he had, he, uh, he actually really likes Klingon opera and he just doesn't want to admit or it? Or just that he's like one of those, you know, MR, MRA oh, guys that yeah. are just saying like, oh, no, I don't want a woman in my life, you know, and it's a... Yeah, women, are, women, are, women are bitches, man, and then he just cries because he's so lonely. Uh, yeah, maybe. What's so wrong? I get, to, I get to play video games all night whenever I want to, <laughs> yeah. and nobody's telling me I shouldn't eat Cheetos, you know. <laughs> Yeah, girl, that girl gave me a lot of shit for living in my mom's basement, but it's pretty cool here. Yeah, it's smart <laughs> economics, guys. She doesn't bother me. I like the pairing of of the characters that we've got going on. Before we get off the sex thing, I was just gonna say, wouldn't not to be crude, but wouldn't Odo kind of be a woman's best friend? Yeah, I think we covered this whenever kind of whenever Deanna Troy's mother came. We talked about well, this. Majel Barrett, or I mean, Luxana. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she can have someone that fits her instead of having to shape herself to fit someone else's needs. Uh, innuendo, innuendo, innuendo. Yet again, I just think that like they're missing an opportunity to have some veiled fun comedy there. Right, but they're setting up that he doesn't understand humanoids. Your humanoid desire for coupling is just how fascinating. He says uh, sarcastically. Mm-hmm. I feel like anytime they have a special man say fascinating, they're making an allusion to Spock. Yeah, I, I agree. No, that's true. Yeah, you're right, but I didn't catch that, but you're right. Right, and then there's a Jumjaw, a Bullion at the Jumjaw stand who apparently fancies Quark, which... Mm-hmm. Quark? You mean Odo? I mean Odo, Odo, Odo. I get the slash pairings in my head. <laughs> Not that there's... They're, they're yeah. a common pairing on the show, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're, you know, they're foils to each other. No, there's the bully and Jumjaw person that's has a thing for Odo, apparently. Yeah. Though, the last time we saw the Jumjaw person... It was a racist Bajoran, so I guess they've had some turnover. Yeah, I think they got rid of him after the blowing up plot of the end of the first season, maybe. Uh, yeah, because Bolians are, are they, what race, is that the Mata Barber blue people race? I don't uh, know, nerd, uh, nerd corner. Yeah, maybe, but I thought Jumja was specifically a uh, Bajoran thing. Yeah, that was my little, I have a little, um, well, you know, uh, nitpick there, but who We're cares, really excited honestly. to jump into the meat of this episode, aren't we, guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. See, I, now uh, yeah, and I, I enjoyed this one. I had a good, I like the pacing of it. I like the structure of it. What? I think that if. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Those two things. Think, those I, two things. Really? The pacing and the. I think I, I think I would have on 
paper, I think on paper I liked it. And Robert Hewitt Wolf was a writer for this episode. Yeah, yeah, it's a great writer. It's one of the great writers. He's a great writer, yeah. And it felt like the A plot felt almost like a modified Next Generation script. Which it, which it was. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. <laughs> it was actually a much cooler sounding script than this, and they ended up using it later. Even though I don't remember the episode specifically, but it was originally pitched as an episode about O'Brien and Dax, for some reason, getting trapped in a prison in the... Ho- uh, a holodeck prison to where and then they try to escape <laughs> and they feel like they have escaped but then they realize that the escape through the whole escape they were still in the hologram prison <laughs> oh that's also like a rick and morty <laughs> yes episode. it was later used it was later adapted for rick and morty no and at the end the episode would end as robert hewitt wolf pitched it as they would be safe back on ds9 but inception were they really, you know, like like the end of Inception, where they really are, or where they is still in the hologram uh, prison. Uh, and they use this later in DS9 because that does sound like a script we get a lot later. Yeah. With O'Brien. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But that's all I'll mm-hmm. say. But, well, the ramifications of doing something like that season two into a series, mm-hmm. you could have characters that are really screwed up for the rest of their life. <laughs> <laughs> right. And how could you really, how could you really count on the, the person serving in any sort of paramilitary organization next to you? How can you, right. if they're constantly wondering if they're in re- the base reality that they think they're yeah. right. Well, <laughs> O'Brien could be worrying about that right now, whether or not he's a clone from some, um, that's right. How do you not, alien species that may put him in yeah and i love that episode but it's like oh who, who what's real man though <laughs> know? no, i will say that's a great pitch and i'm glad they saved it for an episode in a later season because that's a, a better episode yeah what what i won't I say no more that's a great pitch mm-hmm. that sounds like it would make a wonderful so, episode so we later <laughs> on leave it at that yeah la- so later on we uh or no earlier on before we started the podcast i called it robert hewitt wolf's notebook and that's what i felt like is it was just these three totally like i know we've had episodes before where the a plot and the b plot didn't seem to have any sort of connection or theme but this was three totally unrelated things yeah it almost was like a clip it was almost like robert hewitt wolf went off and said guys don't worry about the next episode i'll take that on me like i don't have an idea but i'll just you know like you know everybody's got everybody's got you know all hands on deck and i'll i'll do this this and this and i'll (laughs) look at the fancy writer from next generation show us what you got (laughs) i'll just i'll just shove a bunch of shit together and this will be like a sort of a lower rung episode but no like i think it's good i think their scenes are good i just thought the whole time i'm just like why are these things yeah i think we're getting a wider view of what's going on in the station each thing moves the ball down the field a little bit more on where the characters end up in the overall arc of the show yeah and that's why i enjoy it you get the beginnings of jake and where he's going to end up and why he's not like he's not like wesley crusher mm-hmm. and this is mm-hmm. this is the genesis of that so boom you got that going on in the c storyline yeah, good point the b storyline brings back vedic Baral and how much of he's going to have to play a part in what's to come with kira so boom you got that going on true the a plot introduces reintroduces for the first time in like three episodes the dominion and what they're capable of yeah this guy he's a refugee essentially of the Dominion. And it brings up again through the little girl the questions Odo has about his parents. So I think each plot, even though they seem random, what they're doing, they're just laying some groundwork for what's to come. Yeah, I agree. Like on paper, I think I really like 
a lot of what they're trying to do with this episode. Yeah, you, you've, like, you've made a case for it, is that real character changes happen after one-off yeah. wheel spinning, a slew of one-off wheel spinning episodes. After a slew of O'Brien-only episodes. <laughs> and they feel like yeah, the yes. they took a break in the middle of season two to make it the O'Brien show. <laughs> and I think it's nice that we're bringing the other characters back and kind of refocusing <laughs> on where the show is going to go. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, you're, you're right. And, but also you just hate O'Brien. No, I, I know. <laughs> we're back to Hugh hates O'Brien, aren't we? But this is a classic where Robert Hewitt Wolf knows his continuity because O'Brien was in Data's string quartet as the cellist. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was like that. Because yeah. All right. To just get through some of the plot stuff. Odo and Dex show up on a planet. They find a machine, and it's a murder mystery. It's like people are disappearing. Uh, murder on this, she wrote. It yeah. feels like murder she wrote because it's old people and boring. But mm-hmm. uh, where are these disappearing people going from? They do all this stuff. The B and C plot are Kira and Quark and Jake and O'Brien and Cisco because Cisco wants Jake to get a job. Yeah. Jake doesn't want to get a job, but hey, his best friend, the Ferengi kid, Nog, has a job. Yeah, so, hey, we live in but, a post-capitalism world, Dad. Job, that seems kind of... <laughs> so I understood. Yeah, post-capitalism, but you got to pull your weight or or find what you love. I think that's the whole idea. That's the it, economics and the Federation. Honestly, the ideal is that you find something that you love and you do it and then you love doing it. And also that has something to contribute, hopefully, to the society. I mean, just from a nerd perspective, how would this thing work? And and then there's a book called Treconomics that Mm -hmm. goes into it where it's a prestige based economy, basically. But basically the ideal of and then that gets into the whole, well, your lower rung, your Lieutenant Barclays are just like worthless whereas everybody in the enterprise is hot shit because they're the best at what they do they have the most prestige they have the most um capital in that kind of society but whatever anyways <laughs> i get ahead of my uh, that's a whole other podcast probably the ideal is that you find something you love and you can just do that mm-hmm. and we get to that a little bit later when jake is very nervous about telling his dad he doesn't want to join starfleet because yeah the C plot with him and Cisco is that Cisco is going to make him get a job with Lieutenant O'Brien so that he can get into Star Trek fleet because he can get into Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dad, yeah. I don't want to join Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when are you two going to get your kids into you know, <laughs> your fathers? <laughs> you got to start coercing them to get into Star Trek. Uh, I'm trying. <laughs> no. Right. Yeah, no, and I like that. And I do think that the show just inherently over puffs up Starfleet, specifically through like all of the next generation with, well, specifically with Wesley and how hard he worked to get in and all of this stuff about how hard all of them worked is at some point a key element. Uh, I know Jordy has several episodes about that. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that you would have a son that just says, I'm not interested in that shit. I think, I mean, is it, I don't even know if it, I think he ends up being a poet or I don't know what I, you know, I don't want to spoil, but I I know, but I'm not going to say he goes into an artistic trade. Right. And I think that the show has wired me to sort of think of him as a fuck up that Jake is kind of a fuck up because he didn't go to Starfleet. He didn't even try. Especially later, you know, when when a friend of his joined Starfleet and has, mm-hmm. you know, so like <laughs> that was always sort of a thing. But they actually sort of they address that here. He's just not. Yeah. 
It's interesting to me that you think that he's he's that way. I always felt it was sort of a relief that here's a kid. Like it felt like a relief to me that he doesn't want because it's. No, I'm saying that I think the show conditioned me to feel that way. No, I thought that I I, naturally feel that way. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And and my 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 whole preamble about the economics, what start the Federation is technically all about is about finding something you love and being able to do that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of all, that's not what the show pushes. The show pushes it being a <laughs> f- fancy guy in Starfleet, but yeah. that's just like, how yeah. does that kind of post-scarcity economy work? What do people do? Yeah. I mean, the shows in general, most of Star Trek actually doesn't support that, but Deep Space Nine kind of does. Yeah. And even in this episode, I mean, find what you love and do that is the lesson. That's what Cisco at the end of this, that C-plot tells Jake to do, is like, oh, he's a little disappointed that he doesn't run join Starfleet, but Jake is... Yeah, and it... Yeah, jumping to the end, Jake is like, that's you, Dad, and he's like, okay, fine. You find what you want to love, and you do the best that you can do with that, which is a, you know, a beautiful thing to tell your kid. Your kid. Exactly. In fact, that scene, talking about these conversations happening in a post-scarcity economy, the conversation that O'Brien, the story that O'Brien released to Jake, almost felt so weird that I'm going to assume his hardscrabble Irish father was pushing him to be a cellist, yeah. and instead of that, he rebelled and went to fight the war. There's actually a Monty Python sketch about a playwright whose son wants to grow up to be a coal miner <laughs> and like the, that the father doesn't my son he, you know he treats him like he's like some useless little pansy boy pussy who wants to go off and work with his hands you know and there was playing with that sort of irony of like hard british fathers and punishing their children into doing some sort of trade instead of doing the arts but this was like a father was like i would really love you to be a cellist and yeah, yeah. that strikes us as so weird because it's you know, that's not the experience of most people well in the scarcity economy that we live in. Right, so. right. I want you to go to join the Eldebron Music Academy. <laughs> and he got in, but then he's like, fuck it, I'm going off to, to the Cardi front. <laughs> yeah, he enlisted in the Cardi Wars. So uh, that's an interesting, that's the one time. And this is where I like this show, is that they know how their environment, their sort of continuity is different than ours, and they play with that. And they don't, you know, and so it's it's pretty interesting that they seem to do that more on this show than on others. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, and then O'Brien's the one that gives Jake just the, I guess we'll walk backwards through, through this C-plot. O'Brien's the one that tells Jake with his whole dad jealous story is like, hey, man, you don't want to be an engineer. You don't have to. You just got to You just got to be honest with your dad. Your dad's a cool guy. He'll understand. And then they have the whole he's trying to teach him isolinear rods. And Jake is like, I can't get a grasp on this. It's like, it's pretty d- easy. I thought people were supposed to be real smart in the future. <laughs> <Because> I'm, <laughs> it's color-coded. Red rods are for library and information storage. White rods are for engineering systems controls. Blue rods, we don't get to. But come on, kid. What are you, a dummy? You can't. Fi-. And then O'Brien's like, I didn't figure that out until my second year of Starfleet. It's like, man, <laughs> future, the computers must do everything because these people are, that's not complicated. <laughs> Having to dumb basic things down to like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's a C plot. So no, I like this. Histo- I like this storyline. And I guess that to, to answer Hugh's point, I think that to some degree you're right. A show needs to just kind of push the ball along on some of these characters without it being a story, without it being a full 60 minute ordeal. Yeah. And I think that episodic television like 
you know, Breaking Bad would do that, where there would just be a scene with Marie. Right, right, right. In like one episode. It wasn't a Marie story. There would just be, at some point, there'd be a Marie scene. And that's what this is. It's like the connecting tissue. It's like, this is the elbow that connects yeah. two larger limbs. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And later on, they might be okay just having it to be a connector, but this is an episodic TV show from the 90s, so they had to have an exploration A-plot. Mm-hmm you know, kind of thing. So they just go, and it's mid-season, they're probably looking to save money, so they go to another planet where the aliens are just guys in funny hats. Beads. And girls (laughs) with By the way, the funniest fucking hats, with like rosary beads. Well, lots of beads. Yeah, yeah, they got rosaries in their hair, or in their hats, and bones in their hairs, or whatever Mm -hmm. Uh, Taya has (laughs) in all the women. Yes. Oh, yeah, she does have these little, little bone things in her hair. Yeah. Right, right. So do we want to talk about the V-plot and just get that over with and then end on the A-plot? Well, Let's, I, Or do we want to just do the A-plot yeah. since it's the most boring and then get to the B-plot since it's oh, the most boring? But it order. is boring, but <laughs> yeah. also you get to see both Dax and Odo ply their trade together. Yeah. And I think that was kind of cool. It's nice to see Odo actually do some detective work after not doing detective work for this entire season. Yeah, and we also get further along the more precocious Dax even from the beginnings where Odo is, you know, he's a big prude. He's like, that's a, that's a personal question. And she's like, I've lived long enough. The, the polite questions are not any fun. I'm just going to come out and straight ask you, have you fucked? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great character stuff. What did you say? You... Oh, I'm just saying that that was some great character interplay right there. That... I thought so, too. It I was, thought that, yeah. I thought so, too. And I thought that it was like it, it helped inform her character. Right. Yeah, totally. And she's just like, I... You know, like because they always do put her in the she's the gossipy sort of sex relationship sort of thing, like where she's talking about everybody's romantic right. entanglements and whatnot. And I think that yeah, yeah, yeah. that's usually the trait of a character who's shallow, but she sort of raises it to an art form. I, you know, it seems like they write it in a way where she's the, and that was a way to do it. It's just like, this is, I've lived a long time. And to me, this is the only shit that matters. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. And that was like, an interesting. Just, yeah. She's lived long enough that she's just a hedonist, which is, you know, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually yeah, interesting. That's, yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay, so we go there. They land on the planet. There's a mystery that Odo There's gets a mystery of... machine. There's a mystery box, except I think we all figured it out yeah, this, pretty quickly, was, right? Yeah, yeah. Once it was like, yeah, it was all pretty clear. I got sort of distracted by the beads. They were like, wear beads as like a wig <laughs> or something. Yeah, and then they it, wear, well, the men like, do. Like, mooj- then they wear like Mujahideen hats over them, and it's all really. And the, all of the actors seemed oddly miscast. Like it all just seemed like they were sort of white grandpa character actors. That was like. Yeah, well, they seem like these are old dudes that had done TV acting on like Gunsmoke or something back in the day. Yes. That they're like, hey, we're a Western. We're good at all these guys that just had, you know, uh-huh. small roles on Westerns. They're like, what am I doing with this alien show? All right. <laughs> they're just kind of boring. I don't know. Was one of which was an actor who was a friend of Iris Stephen Bear's. Oh, yeah. Like Iris Stephen Bear had worked with him before and really liked him. I think he was like a drinking buddy, maybe. Huh. So he fought to get him cast in the show. I think that was the, the main guy the main grandpa the, the, the grandpa or the other sheriff in town or I, I don't know i didn't look it up because the mean, sheriff was slightly more interesting than the grandpa even and nobody was well, bad the sh- they were just tv boring that was the way i thought yeah about. and the sheriff seemed oddly miscast because he always seemed like he was ready to like do like a little comedy bit like it always seemed well like... he's got the, he's got the most comedy chops i mean he's kenneth mars from yeah. uh young frankenstein 
Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Look at you, Brigitte. I didn't know who that was. But oh, okay. I, I, All right. How many times have you seen Young Frankenstein? <laughs> not a, not enough. Oh, so many times. That's like one. That was one of the movies we had on VHS at my dad's house. Yeah. So we would just exactly. Watch it over and over. It's like that when I was a kid, and we had like three VHS tapes, and Young Frankenstein was one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh shit! And he was in Malcolm in the Middle too. Yeah. And he's in the producers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Like, so there you go. Great. I thought that I liked that guy. And, you know, I. He, you know, he is also I the voice care. of King Triton from Little Mermaid. Made. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a kind of goofy guy, but he's he's entertaining to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he had a magnetism. Like he's, you get the feeling that he wasn't going to solve any mysteries, and that they clearly needed Odo's help. Mm-hmm. You know, he did his job. Yeah, he's just <laughs> like a he's just like a guy from Mayberry. You yeah. know, kind of. Right. <laughs> he's like an Andy Griffith, like bumbling kind of. He, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, the friend of Iris Stephen Bears was the other one. Was the. Kenneth Toby, who played Rurigan. Uh, Rurigan. So the, the main, the yeah, the hologram. Yeah, guy, so. who, again, he was also fine. He's just kind of TV boring and like, mm-hmm. oh, this was a guy that was on Gunsmoke or something. Yeah, so they discover the mystery. Odo is, uh, Odo specifically bonds with this young girl whose mother was the last to disappear. And I will say that this whole storyline wasn't just completely bullshit because there was a really sort of great scene between Rene Abergenois and this little girl. Yeah, that stuff was great. Yeah. Yeah, I think little girl, act, little kid actors, especially little kid actors on sort of syndicated television, you're not going to like, they're not picking from the best pool of quality actors here. Yeah. But it was a pretty long extended scene and she really sort of carries some, some weight to it. And he's really good. And it goes back to my point, something I made in the first season. I think Rene Abergenois is probably just a really good scene partner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like so. like a really good, like a giving actor who like helps and sort of like, I think that like, because he seems to always have these moments where like even early when Nana Visitor was struggling in the first season, scenes with him were a little more calm, you know, and were a little better. Yeah. And so that seems like a thing that I get that he just kind of brings, like as an actor, he brings the best out of people. And so that sort of scene was a really good scene and was like a bonding scene of Odo bonding with a kid. Yeah. Which is the second time we've had that now, right? Yeah. Well, it's and it also sets up thing in the Gamma Quadrant where they're scouting around all these societies have these old folk tales about changelings, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And then they mentioned the Dominion later on, which they've got Robert Hewitt Wolf, who apparently came up with the whole idea of the Dominion, and it becomes a huge thing. Yeah. Spoilers is the thing called the Dominion War. Yeah. Uh, the if Dominion's you were, a big deal. <laughs> yeah. If you know Star Trek, if you follow enough to listen to a DS9 podcast, you know there's a thing called the Dominion War, probably. Yeah. And that's all I'll say. <laughs> but also, like way back in that season one Vortex episode, where we have the Odo storyline about the space more from the Gamma Quadrant. They don't mention the Dominion because I haven't thought it up yet, but they do have a whole thing about changelings being fairy tales and, mm-hmm. oh no, changelings aren't real. No, but they are, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I like that about, this episode does a lot of things right. Mm-hmm. I just feel like the execution was just boring. And even the little girl, that she does a fine job, but it's a bias in me. Whenever I see little girls in shows, especially, it's like, I think stage moms, and I just imagine that little girl like, <laughs> when they go cut. She's like, "All right, you fucking bitches, where's my fucking craft services or something?" Just being like, a, just, like so sweet on camera, but when once the thing comes off, she just turns into a raging hell beast, you know, kind of thing. Is this any chance of this being a reoccurring character? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, that, but I thought that, but, but that scene was pretty pretty well focused, and mm-hmm. it does. 
It it does bind the story, which is a pretty Star Trekky story about tachyon fields and yeah, yeah. all antimatter. You know, like it's Omicron like, particles. Yeah, Omicrons. Yeah, there is a lot of techno babble. Right, but it gives it a heart. Yeah, that it gives it like a human heart. That it is a story is about finding specifically this girl's mom. So. Right, right. Yeah. And then turns out, yeah, it's all, uh, they're all holograms because they can't go beyond the thing, the, beyond the perimeter. They disappear. They learn that with the little girl. Uh, my little bit of, I guess, angry nerd corner. Eh, we'll insert an angry nerd corner here. Maybe we'll have music at some point. <laughs> <laughs> and then I can find that. It'll be some variation of that. Yeah. So I, I don't know, actually. I don't. I didn't look it up. I don't know how the holodecks usually work. But in this instance, it's all Omicron field manipulation. Mm -hmm. If that's how regular holodecks work, why didn't they just figure this shit out immediately? You know, they should have said, oh, there's a lot of Omicron particles down here. And then they get to a mystery. It's like, well, it must be a holodeck because these are clearly holograms. Okay, I don't know how it works. Maybe that's not how regular holo suites work, which is fine. I hope it's not. I hope they work through different whole things, and these are different kind of holograms, because I would like, Angry Nerd Corner and me would like, if this is hologram situation, to have these holograms work differently than regular holograms, so that they're surprised by it, so that it makes sense that they don't figure it out immediately. That's all. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> they talk about Omicron particles for a while. Now, wait, have you seen all of Voyager? I've I I have maybe, but I I need to rewatch the end because I don't remember it. So effectively, no. I mean, but how well do you remember the middle stuff? I guess is what I'm like. This, oh, with the portable hollow emitter that the doctor, or even like his the doctor's life before the portable doctor, because uh, the, I think the hollow emitter came like around season three. It's like he spent the first yeah. two seasons not being able to go pretty much anywhere that wasn't already a holodeck. Right. Exactly, and that's how this plane works. Right. Except it's, it's, yeah, it's the emitter in the middle of town, shoots it out. Yeah. I, all I wanted was if, if it to be a big mystery that they have to figure out, it should just work different than the regular holograms, because otherwise, why didn't they just figure it out immediately? That's all. Well, they had to get... They had to get through it because we have a whole B plot that they haven't even talked about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to yeah. rush through it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Now, Angry Nerd Corner's over. It's a, it's a small point. They just say I would wanted them to be surprised. Well, yeah, no, but I do think that there is a ongoing necessity among fans of the show, and I include myself in this group of people who want the techno babble to at least conform to a reality. You know, at least be consistent throughout yeah. you know the episodes in the year so that that i think is i think that's an accurate point and i think the show demands that of us i mean how many how many episodes deal with the warp drive and like right, you know right. all of these sort of minutia tachyons yes and... so so yes i think that's i think that's a fine critique but no i from that point on i mean it was just they find out everybody in the hologram everybody there is a hologram and they need to basically reboot the heart, like reboot their computer because <laughs> yeah, there was a software update. Have you tried turning it off and on and again? <laughs> yeah. The, the man who built the hologram system thought he had kernel panic, but he did had a kernel panic, but he didn't. <laughs> he just needed to reboot the system. Right. Well, yeah, she had to fiddle around with it when it was off, but basically, yeah, yeah they got to turn it off. Yeah, but when she was doing the space equivalent of unplugging the cable for 
10 seconds and then plugging <laughs> it back in. Right. Yeah, and then so it comes back up and then the mom's there and everybody's there. They do realize that the, the main guy, the... R- Rurigan may- or whatever. Mayor, Mayor Rurigan is not a... Not a hologram. He was not a hologram. Yeah, so He's lived there for thirty and years. That was actually another. That was actually. Uh, I mean, even though it was a little bit predictable on our end, uh-huh. it was still like how they moved the camera. It was kind of a nice little reveal. Yeah, he's standing yeah, behind he's the, the other side of the, the mirror. Yeah. Whatever, well, they moved the camera. Like, Anytime they move the camera with a purpose and remember that it's a visual <laughs> medium, I always feel like I have to give them like high marks. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good, good on you for remembering. Yeah, that. It's, yeah, whenever they do something remotely film oriented. Yeah, so everybody's happy. What was that? He's he's basically resigned. What was the name of that Breaking Bad episode that Ryan, uh, oh, what's his name? The, the director of episode eight yeah. of Star Wars? Yeah, he directed. Mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson? Yeah, that's right, Ryan Johnson. This yeah. isn't, this is, we, we don't ever get that, that level of television, <laughs> like film yes. work ever. So it, <laughs> No, we do not. It's sort of amazing. So you have to take the quality yeah. Yeah. So it's sort of amazing that we have that now. You know what I mean? It's sort of amazing that he does like one episode yeah. of like visceral mm-hmm. filmmaking for TV. And then goes and makes Star Trek 8. <laughs> Star Wars Star 8. Wars sorry. 8. <laughs> yeah. Star Wars 8. So, yeah. Yeah. So no, I know. That's the, well, you think about like, I don't know, where like the things that Game of Thrones does with like action sequences and camera that it that for the most part, I think we're living in an age where if you're watching a certain level of television, it's pretty cinematic at this point. It's pretty it's not just cinematic, but it's pretty uh, comparable to the cinematography of television. Or of movies. Yeah, that's what right? I meant. Except for our movies now have like super superheroes fighting, you know, lizards. Like, so it's almost, everything's all bigger. But like, mm-hmm. still, like, like there's not like a lighting issue. Like when Next Generation, the show jumped to Next Generation Generations, all the lighting changed and everything looked different because it's a movie. And I think, you know, now that just, that's inconceivable. Right, right. Because right. television looks exactly like movies. Right. So. Anyway, yeah, you, you guys were on to a better point, and I just got derailed by the fact that they actually moved the camera a little bit. I'm, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that's that's impressive for them. I, I don't know what point I was. I think that, yeah, that's the A plot. Yeah. Ta-da. Um, ta-da. <laughs> well, at first, he, I guess the man was kind of resigned that the hologram system was broken and he was going to have to abandon everything that he knew. Oh, right, right. And he's also from uh, Dominion territory. Yeah. He didn't like what the Dominion did because it was a little oppressive. So he just found a secluded valley and created his own town. Wants to be sent back to, uh, what is it again? Yadera Prime, which is a uh, Dominion-occupied place somewhere. But they talk him out of it because Odo really came to love this little girl or like her or, you know. Mm-hmm. They are people, and, and it's, I, mean, I don't know, it's kind of like a, it's like a Frank Capra kind of moment. Odo has a Frank Capra, Jimmy Stewart kind of moment. It's like, no, but they are real. <laughs> there is, you know, maybe not our definition of life, but... Blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. It felt like a Frank Capra kind of moment. Maybe it's because everything felt like old TV. Yeah, and also, like, I don't think, like, this is well before Voyager started. So the idea that, mm-hmm. I guess that they had Moriarty in the next generation, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they already had that by by this point. They'd had several, yeah, they'd had so many hologram episodes. They've definitely had some where, mm-hmm. well, this person is like a different form of life at this I point. I think by 94, they had, they had had about two Moriarty episodes 
Yeah. You had the yeah, initial one, had, and then you had the one where he comes back. They'd have, back. like, how many crew members fall in love with holograms? Right. I don't know. That's true. <laughs> yeah, so we're, uh, so that was that storyline. I mean, I guess that Odo shows her... There's a reoccurring thing about Odo not, like, to show that he's a changeling because he still has that sort of shame from being, like, a... He was a... That he was sort of used by, nope, by nobody. Nobody loves him for him. They just want to see him do tricks. Yeah, they, they, he was used for his entertainment value, and so at the end, he shows her that he can turn into one of her little top toys that she was playing with. Right, it was right. Cute and Which is it was a it was yeah. a predictable but well earned moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was fine. And then at, at the end, when he turns into it, it's like, oh, I know what the design of that top was about. It was about designing something that could be easily <laughs> computer generated. Yeah. Yeah. You're always looking at the crass backroom elements of these shows. <laughs> yeah, no. So that was that. And so that was a nice little ending to the storyline. Very TV ending. Yeah, yeah. But well earned. And now we and now are we to the Kira portion of this? Yeah, the B plot. Oh, the vapors. Oh, man. The the vapors. (laughs) She she got the vapors? She got the vapors. Uh, I'm going to go on a limb with this uh, scene where it's saying that Odo wasn't exposed as the only virgin in this show. (laughs) Because those kisses. It's not Kira, but yeah. yeah, That was the most awkward kiss I'd ever seen. Like, ever. (laughs) What? No, I mean, oh, he's definitely awkward. I mean, I liked that better, though. Then the first, okay, so the, okay. then their sex dream so, in the right, just, third, second season of, episode of the season. Yeah, 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 and yeah. So to just just get this out of the way, Odo's gone from the station. Quark wants to run shenanigans. Uh, he knows Kira's going to be on his ass. There's a good scene between him and Kira where she's like, "I despise you. You you were a Cardassian collaborator. Fuck you." <laughs> and he just smiles because he's great. <laughs> like, oh, sorry, I asked. It's like you what? You don't like me? He's like. And she basically flips him off. And then so because his cousin Kono, who is a criminal that stole stole something from a museum on Cardassia 5, is coming to the station or trying to sneak in. So to keep to distract Kira, he invite he colludes to invite Vedic Baral up to distract her and and they get it on. And it, but I like Vedic Burrell. He's not doing a whole lot different than he was in his previous I, the, incarnation. The script made him bring a little more personality. Yeah. And so he brought a little more personality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, though, he's better in this. Like, the last time he was just trying, I felt, I said it before, like, he's just trying to be Fox Mulder and kind of is like... Uh-huh. Okay, uh, and then what? And this one, he's just like a awkward religious dude that's never been laid before. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which makes more sense. He's like, uh, "Hey, how's it going? I, I just appeared to to hang out." I just wanted to. <laughs> I, 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 thought, I, thought, I thought you'd be. I was hoping you'd be be happy to see me. You know, like you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, and. And she falls for his sweet, yeah. innocent charm, which is okay, fine. And also, the prophets have foreseen that they're going to get it on. Yeah, and they they call they do a callback to that she's way much more religiously conservative than he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she berates him for his sermon. That was a good. Yeah. That was a good moment. Yeah. yeah. So right, uh, right, yeah, that was too. Because she was a supporter of the the Louise Fletcher character before she went all bomb crazy. Yeah. So like that was. That was sort of well done. Yeah, yeah. Because he comes up to talk and he's like, well, did you like my sermon, basically? And she's like, oh, I liked all of it except for the content. Because yeah. your interpretation, because he's this liberal dude whose interpretations of the eighth prophecy are totally flip the, the head on what the general interpretation is. 
which you know you know there's christian sects that do the same thing like the little more liberal ones that i generally kind of sympathize with more they're like oh well you know like the whole anti the romans anti-gay stuff is more about you know sex in idols and stuff yeah but that's a that's a but that's also another podcast (laughs) (laughs) the sex iconography of the bajoran religion episode no uh like so okay so let's say in the story like they it turns out that vedet barail was sort of coaxed to go in there by an inveterate gambler who owed quark a lot of money uh kira puts it together that they got Burial there to distract her while Quark tries to get away with shenanigans. So. Right, because they they both share a love for spring ball, and <laughs> yeah. they go off to yes, they and, and like, oh, you love spring ball? Oh, me too. Uh, and then Burial is like, well, do you do you want do you want you want to go play spring ball with me? He's like, yeah. We and, then, and then they get back and they make out. By the um, way, I'm loving your Burr yeah. impersonation. Really yeah. yeah, in this episode, it's just like, hey, how's it going? I'm, if you like me, I guess I, I guess I like you too. <laughs> but spring ball was interesting because it reminded, it just in, in my head, it reminded me of a thing that happens 10 years later where, whatever, what's the name of the sport that they play in Battlestar Galactica? Oh, I don't remember something else it's not spring ball but i just imagine spring ball being a lot like that yeah yeah and i think they come back to spring ball later don't they well i i don't remember but that you were getting into the one thing i really like i thought it was a little bit uh, like Chekhov's gun where you mentioned the gun it needs to go off like i need to see the spring ball (laughs) you felt that's the one thing i was but she wears that cool like um bandana around her head Mm -hmm. the green thing after they get back that was pretty that was pretty bitching yeah you got to see her in her in her space lulu lemons so uh uh, (laughs) relax relaxing after some spring ball i don't know if i needed to see the spring ball or not maybe i did i don't that would be i don't know either um so, like, my only thing, my my favorite th- moment of this whole storyline was because that kiss was awkward. But, um, <laughs> but my favorite thing is when they yeah, but so is he at this yeah, point. So I was okay yeah. with it. But when she is, uh, when she's told that he's on the ship, and you get like a long shot of her walking to the docking port or whatever, and I could just see her going like, "I'm gonna get some D." <laughs> like she had like, <laughs> like she had a little spring in her step. Like here was here was uh Kira was about to get some D. So she I, now you guys you guys are. Picking Picturing that the spring balls is just two people carrying, like holding a spring in their hand and trying to hit a ball with it, right? <laughs> I don't know. I imagine whatever it is that Starbuck plays on Battlestar Galactica. Honestly. I don't remember because, oh, but I can't get um, racquetball from when Bashir and O'Brien played racquetball. Oh, yeah. I can't get that. I, I assume yeah. it just looks something I like feel, that. I, I, I imagined it was like that, but handball, but honestly, <laughs> like like they play racquetball players in New York play. They don't, you know, on the courts, they just do it with their hands nobody plays racquetball this is where they box themselves in a little bit it's because it has to be something simple enough that a refugee can play oh yeah yeah because it it can't have a whole lot of like it can't complicated equipment or anything like that yeah that's true right and you talk about she's like walks off like i'm gonna get some d like (laughs) that's how the episode closes yeah okay so okay so that's what i was gonna ask so she's walking off she's like i got i'm on the quirk so she's totally going to fuck him right like i I found him very yeah, this, she's this, like this is that stage in the relationship, right? or she's just walking him off the station at least. But he's <laughs> like, oh, oh, I see what she calls him out. I know what you did. You're not. You don't get what I know. Your cousin was on. I'm gonna get you next time. Is basically she says 
And he's like, well, you know, life is full of disappointments. Yeah. And he says that disappointed as well because his scheme didn't go off. Yeah, yeah. So she, I mean, yeah, she's rubbing at his face that she both thwarted his shenanigans and she's going to get it right here, baby. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. And she's like, I found him very diverting. And then she has a slow walk off to join him in arm in arm. And she's like, yeah, and you're, oh, I'm going to get some. Yeah, and she like, she fucked up. I she fucked some. up. I'm, I'm positive. <laughs> Which is great. So I assume that there's a, because I know that later on, do they, I, I'm just wondering if like two episodes from now, they have the, they consummate their relationship episode, but it looks like they, they fucked off camera. So yeah, probably. Yeah. It's still 1994. They got to be a little demure about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. She can't literally sing. I'm about to get some tea. <laughs> so yeah, no. Um, All right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I guess we can move into what we want to change. Yeah, I, I already yeah. went. I told you guys what was on my mind. I need. Uh, what, what, you, what was your? What was your? I need to see the spring ball. I'm, I was a little irritated. Oh, you got to see the spring ball. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> mine is pretty small. Mine is really small too. Is that I would have liked? Uh, I don't know. Like I don't know. It just occurred to me when you have the hologram because he's kind of like fat old guy who makes the hologram, and everybody there is kind of like fat old guys. Mm-hmm. Like if I could make a hologram world, I probably wouldn't be a fat old guy, and everybody else wouldn't be either. Oh, like, yeah. I don't know. Like, it seemed like they could have been, like, done a sort of an interesting thing where everybody's kind of beautiful. I don't know. And then, like, has these sort of mesmerizing qualities because he's getting to make the world up as he wants. You know, he basically made a town. Right. He's 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 living in Sims. But so, like, he gets to make the town up. So it seems like everybody would have been pretty. And then when they reboot the system, he's like a fat old guy. <laughs> you know, like, that would have been, well, like, sort of touching. He made that... it as every as he remembered everybody. Oh. Like, they're all based yeah, off yeah. people. Like, if he if he were just going to do wish fulfillment, it, it, the episode would... I'm sorry, this is going to get very, very crude. <laughs> they land on a planet, it's like, why is everybody sucking this one guy's dick? <laughs> 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 and that would be like a well you definitely couldn't do that in 1994 no no so he's well, just an old man that wants to live like how he lived well it, yeah not to be a god that's a good point so he's recreating these sort of things but he set them in motion to where they can breathe and cross and all of that stuff yeah you're right i just it would have right i don't know that would have been an, I, he's building mayberry because he's an old quaint old man that likes to watch murder she wrote <laughs> And he's like, let me just build a small town around me. He was very much. Um, he didn't build a whole lot of people of color, did he? No, he didn't. It was all. Uh, there was one or two. Uh, okay. I think I saw. All right. But yeah, not not so much. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of similar to my whole thing. I would change too, if if, if that's all most of yours, James. Yeah, that's that's it. That was that was the smallest thing I could come up with. Other than like maybe maybe don't do three unconnected stories in an episode. Right. But I mean, Hugh Hugh convinced me that it had merit. So right. Well, I have a couple of ways to do it. Like one, like on paper, I like everything that does in every there. But it's basically a next generation story. You gotta you gotta spice it up a little bit. One, the aliens are fucking boring as hell. They're just humans with they are. stupid hats and shit in their hair. They're so boring. It's, and it's really just a rehash next generation episode yeah. you could have done mm-hmm. in the A plot. So at least make it visually entertaining. Like, make them weird looking aliens. But I understand they're probably mid season. They're looking to save money like they did on yes. Move Along Home. That's probably why they're not very visually entertaining to look at. In fact, the set is an old next generation set. So they didn't even have to build the set yeah so right yeah this is definitely like a money so i mean i get it yeah and also so yeah just make it more and also 
all the actors are fine, but like I said before, they're just like TV boring of, you know, like, I don't know. They felt like they were all from Bonanza or Gunsmoke or something. So, like, the acting was fine, but I would have liked something like younger people, a little bit more dynamic and energy, because they're just all old men going, what? Well, you know, she's my granddaughter. I love, you know, like <laughs> nobody has a lot of energy in their performance. Yeah. So if if we have the one we we have we're working with, I would just have liked to have weirder looking aliens and more high octane for acting from the director trying to get energy out of these people. Yeah. But the other thing I like, like, oh, we talked about this is like, oh, we're getting character stuff. And if we're doing this as a modern TV kind of thing uh, instead of like an episodic thing mm -hmm. uh, episode of the week or whatever i would have liked to do just like a breaking bed or, uh, or any of these like novelizations you know kind of prestige television where they have these the uh, season is pumping along and everything's intense and they like they decide whoa 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 we need to slow it down and this would be a slowdown episode but instead of even don't even bother trying to take them anywhere just show, and even Battlestar tried to do this when they when they stopped doing. They started trying to do episodic stuff in two, season two or three, and it kind of I didn't like it. That was one of the problems with that show. But yeah. But anyways, they tried to do a slice of that life. was the long season two. I yeah. Believe. But if you just do a slice of life episode, like a fucking Quentin Tarantino screenplay, where the first half of it you're just hanging out with the characters, don't make them go anywhere. Just like make this whole episode. We're going to just slow it down and this is just what life on DS9 is like. And you can do you can do like a shortcuts where you just have five, you know, the Robert Altman movie or, you know, like <laughs> any one of those where they're just like all these different things where they don't necessarily all come together. You know, like it's just hanging out with the characters. Yeah, yeah. And then you get to learn about that and just just do one of those to slow down the season and then you jump back into it. Yeah. Mad Men and Game of Thrones do those kind of episodes where it's just like visiting, like touch pointing a bunch of random people, yeah. you know, people just to get them, everybody in place for the big episode. Game of Thrones more than Mad Men, but like, yeah, that would have been a nice. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, and I understand this is 1994. Now. Yeah. They weren't thinking it like now, that at all. They, they don't do that kind of stuff, but this is kind essentially that's what this episode is. Cause this is kind of boring. We like, there's three plots, A, B and C, which don't interact at all. So you can, it feels like it's, and it's in the middle of the season. It feels like that's what they're trying to do, except they're beholden to this kind of episodic kind of format where they have to go off and explore something. Yeah. So just in a perfect world, if, if we were doing DS9 as maybe Brian Fuller's doing this new season, like, yeah, this is just a slowdown episode. Just, and we just live with that. So that's, that's what I would change. That, that's all I got. Yeah. All right. Do you have any uh, Amazon information for us? Yes. 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 Uh, do you guys want to guess, or did you guys take a peek about what the star rating was on IMDb? Six point seven. I'm actually gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna fight him on that. Six point seven. All right. Actually, this one was voted uh, five hundred and forty, which is pretty fair to Midland for the amount of votes, and it was seven point two out of ten. Huh. Okay. All right. People really it's it's got some it's got some good stuff. People like it. I guess the scene the scene between Jake and the whole storyline with Jake is is really really nice. So like yeah. I I mean like it does that's quality. It sets the stuff. stage for a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. which I it's that's what I was saying, it's quality. It's just boring. Yeah. If you were going to cut together like 10 of 10 minutes of the best Jake or no, 5 minutes of the best Jake scenes in the whole show, 
that scene with him and his dad would probably be in there, you know? It might be the first one. Yeah, but just to build a story. <laughs> like, just that For build. like 20 seconds, because, yeah, because there's some pretty good Jake stuff coming up. Yeah, you're right. He gets whole episodes later. But I mean, like, no, like that he's choosing not to go to Starfleet. That's a defining characteristic of him. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So in a five minute like YouTube clip, you'd have one shot of him in his onesie from Emissary <laughs> just being a little sailor boy or whatever and then you jump straight to this and yeah. say no i don't want to mm-hmm. yeah or, or the self-stealing sim boats and then this right Since self-stealing sim bolts and then i miss her too dad yes from that throwaway episode we had where they talk about oh my god uh dead jennifer that was and, and wait a minute he's got to be hanging his feet off the prom or not oh yeah oh yeah that's your starter that yeah yeah, yeah that's the beginning Suck it on a jump stick. yeah yeah no that that episode where he tells his dad i miss her too that was the worst episode of the season. Yeah. So far. So I, I'm putting my pin in that. But otherwise than that, yeah, no. Uh, rules of acquisition. There's, uh, well, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> we won't get into that. I think we're running. Yeah, we're at a good stopping point. We'll have a whole podcast on these. So, all right. Are we, are we done? All right, guys. Yep. I think that, that about covers it for on my end. You guys got anything else to close it out? Nope. Nope. All right. Well, three to beam out. Okay. Beep. That was Shadow Play from October of 2016. Right now, I am recording October 1st through 2021. Uh, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, a, f- a few things right off the bat. Uh, Bolians. Of course, they are the blue-skinned aliens with the uh, thing going down the middle of their face. <laughs> There's a lot of information about the Bolians on Memory Alpha, but I think the most interesting uh, piece of information is the fact that Bolians are named after Cliff Bowl, who directed the first Star Trek The Next Generation episode to feature the species, which uh, was considered, which was a conspiracy. That's the name of that episode. <laughs> Bolians were first identified by the name in Allegiance, the cliff of bowl mentioned in invasive procedures are further play on his name. So that's interesting. People who made Star Trek must have really liked cliff bowl. Pretty cool little tidbit there, I think. Okay. We also mentioned the runabout speed in this episode and I did a little bit of research and found out that runabouts can go up to warp five. So there's that. Uh, we talked about ho- holographic characters in this and supposed that Moriarty had already been introduced at this point in the series. Uh, Moriarty was in the episode Elementary Dear Data, which originally aired December 5th, 1988. And then he came back way back later, January 25th, 1993. So yeah, he had made Two appearances by the time that Shadow Play Shadow Play had gone to air, uh, which you know, like we said, it was February twentieth, nineteen ninety four, when Shadow Play came to uh, came to air. So, anyway, yeah, plenty of uh, precedent set for self aware holograms in Star Trek, and much more hologram shenanigans after this episode too, with Voyager, etc. All right, well, that's it for this week. I hope you join us next time for another remix. Uh, If you like the show, you might be interested 
to hear our conversations on other sci-fi uh, stories like Dune or Foundation. You can find that on our Patreon, which is uh, at Patreon backslash Kickers of Elves, or just Google Kickers of Elves. You can do that too. All right. Thanks for listening. Wanted to beam out. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts piss you off? Please review us. Please follow us. Please excuse us. Please feel loved sometimes. Excuse me, I need a defrag. Cause this little robot looks so good I might just start Bluetooth syncing. I can't help it with beautiful robots. I just start syncing with them. And they let me when you are on a Deep Space Nine podcast they let you. Sometimes I just grab them in their data port. Where is the handle for this door?